Act two, Wonder Woman. Okay, what are the ways to create a superhero? Gamma rays, space alien abduction, prison experiment, or NASA flight gone awry? And then there's the idea of a list. Is it possible that a to-do list is powerful enough to achieve this incredible result? Hmm. Kelly McEvers met somebody who tried. We met in a bar in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'd just moved back from Cambodia, and I was going out for one of my first beers back in the States. Not long into the first one, I noticed this Amazon of a woman with huge blonde and red-streaked hair and frosty lips, wearing a short red tank dress and at least 50 bracelets. She's six feet tall and showing a lot of leg. People at the bar swivel their heads to watch her every move. She stands next to me to order a drink, and in this throaty voice says, What are those? Pointing to my cigarettes. I tell her they're Cambodian. Her eyes light up, and she shoots out a long, tan arm and points at a table in the corner. She orders me there. Before I can say no, I'm following her to my seat. She tells me she's an international private investigator, a bounty hunter, and a bail bonds enforcer and that her name is Zora. I sit there for hours listening to her. Within a week, she takes me to Las Vegas. We drive there in her red Mustang. As always, there's a Colt 380 under the driver's seat and a 45 Megastar in the trunk. In Vegas, we skip the casinos and head straight for the male strip clubs, where Zora drops at least $200 on lap dances from buff guys with names like Roman. Her getup is the same as before. Teased hair, jewelry, and the ubiquitous tank dress, which, I realize, is the best way to show off her tattoos. One is this big circle with blue and white swirls in it, kind of like a bowling ball on her left shoulder. Every guy she meets asks her about it, and when they hear her answer, they sometimes propose marriage. Turns out the tattoo is a magic globe she holds in her dreams. And in these dreams, it gives her superpowers. Ever since I remember, I've had the dreams. And uh, they're very vivid, but it varies. It usually involves fighting, sometimes with guns, sometimes um, with superhero powers, lightning from my fists and all that. And I usually have, have super strength and I can fly and I have all those things, right? And it's my most common set of dreams, and it varies. Sometimes it's medieval, sometimes it's futuristic, sometimes it's present day, sometimes it's like a guerrilla war in Latin America. Can you describe that Zora to me, the Zora in dreams? Very powerful athletically, uh, but beyond the rules of nature that this world allows. So six foot five and long, like almost impossibly long, silver hair. This sort of otherworldly quality to her, where her voice sound did not sound normal. It sounded like almost musical. It became something that I aspired to be. Aspire to be this sort of superhero, this sort of person who would fight for a cause. That was my motivation in life. Ever since I was 10 or 11, I decided that that was my goal.
Zora took the dream seriously, so seriously that at the age of 12, she sat down and composed a list of some 30 skills she needed to learn if she wanted to become as close to a superhero as any mortal could be. She even gave herself a deadline to master these skills by the time she was 23. What's in these? Zora pulls out the old spiral notebook that was her diary at the age of 13 and turns to the inside back cover. Yeah, there's the list. Wow. Why don't you go ahead and read it? Okay. The list uh, included martial arts, electronics, chemistry, metaphysics, hang gliding, helicopter and airplane flying, parachuting, mountain climbing, survival. Throughout her teens and 20s, each time she started a new diary, she would update the list and write it in the back of the book, each one with the same format, each one titled The List. Weaponry, rafting, scuba diving, herbology, yes, I studied that, CPR, first aid, and mountain uh, emergency kind of medicine. The list also includes bodybuilding, archery, demolitions, and explosives. She wanted to learn how to hunt animals and track men. Major physical conditioning. <laughs> and the most incredible thing about all of this is that Zora accomplished nearly every item on the list. Throwing stars and compound bows and throwing knives, and yes, it was a very interesting uh, <laughs> pastime. To keep up with the goals set by the list, she sped through school. Starting in the seventh grade, she began completing entire school years during the summer term and finished high school by the time she was 15. She got her BA at 18, a master's at 20, and completed the coursework for a PhD in geopolitics by the time she was 21. She wanted to live like Indiana Jones, spending half her time in the classroom and half her time saving the world in the jungles of Peru. Item number four, camel, elephant riding, um, evasive driving, and stunts. When you're a kid, you have these romantic visions of what you'll be when you grow up. But how many people are so diligent they commit their dreams to paper and make it their life's work to achieve them? How many keep a list, amending it, adding to it, ticking things off as they go along, well into their adult lives? After finishing the coursework for her PhD, Zora decided to quit school disappointed at the lack of cliffhanging adventure in her doctoral program. And since superheroes who live in the real world need jobs, she decided to seek employment at the only place that would allow her to put all the skills from the list to use. Zora wanted to become an agent in the CIA. And so began a rigorous application process, interviews, psych exams, a three-day lie detector test. After that, then they, they sent investigators out to uh, interview me, interview my neighbors, interview ex-boyfriends, interview friends, ex-friends, former colleagues, people I work with, people I used to work with. They threw a question out in the middle of an interview. So what would you do in this situation? If, uh, if you were driving down the road and you had... Um, one of your native agents with you, someone who's going to give you some information, and you were in a third world country somewhere, 
and you were driving a car and you accidentally ran into a dog. And people have been out playing in the street, children in the street, they see their dog get killed and they get upset and they rush towards the car. What do you do in that situation? You don't want to draw attention to the person who's with you. So what I said was that I would uh, tell my agent to get down lower in the car and I would get out of the car and draw the attention to myself and try to appease them in some way, either by giving them money more likely. Um, but, uh, but, and that was an acceptable answer. And that was a good answer. At the time when I was going through the process, it felt like everything was coming together and I had not felt so much joy probably ever. Did you tell him about your dreams? Absolutely not. I would tell them that I had a sense that I could combine the whole street smarts, intellectual, the education with the sort of adventure personality. And I was actually told that I had the perfect personality for it and that, uh, and that I would do really well. It was like the fruition of my life, that it was going to be the step into the next, you know, where, where I would be using all that list and preparation for the next phase, which would be to actually put it into practice. About eight months into the interviews, Zora got a letter saying she'd been rejected. She appealed over the next year and a half, partly to find out why they'd turned her down. But the best they could do was to tell her to try again in a few more years. In the end, the CIA wouldn't take her, and they wouldn't even tell her why. Probably it took me more like two years to recover. <laughs> I was a basket case. I, I wasn't... I wasn't... I was just down, you know. I would have to work. I couldn't concentrate. Sort of slumped down, staring at the wall. I, I put my whole life into examination. All the years of preparation. Most of us give up our dreams of superhero adventure when we're adolescents. Zora was only getting to it at the age of 27. Here she knew how to fly a helicopter and survive in the wilderness. But for what? She devoted a lot of time to thinking about why she might have been rejected by the CIA. Maybe it was all those months she spent with right-wing militia groups doing her doctoral research. Maybe she shouldn't have told the CIA how she ended up in a clandestine IRA club one night while on vacation in Ireland. Maybe the CIA didn't like the fact that her father, a professor at the University of Minnesota, is an outspoken Serbian nationalist. Or maybe it was simply her own fault that she couldn't turn herself into a superhero. I had violated the agreement of the list, violated the agreement of, of, uh, that I made with myself, that I had not become what, what that, the archetype was that I had become something lacking. The point being that, uh, that my mythology should have guided me better, and it felt like such a final thing. So Zora remade herself. She had been virtually isolated from other people since she was 15 when she started actively pursuing the goals on the list. Her parents were happy she was so busy because she had no time for boys. But now she started working for a woman private investigator. 
One day when she went to court, she wore her first pair of pantyhose because she was told it would help her look more feminine. Soon after, she was schooled in the sheer power of lipstick, a short skirt, and a supermodel runway walk to control the minds of others. These days, she works for an international private investigation agency that handles these kinds of cases. Child abduction, retrieval, custody, reverse stings, occult and ritualistic crimes. Those tend to be really interesting. I like working on those. Anti-terrorism, kidnap protection and return, counterintelligence. She's happy doing this work. In a typical case, Zora's agency sent her on a mission to Mexico to do what's known as a reverse scam. The agency was hired by the family of a young woman who'd recently traveled there and fallen in love with the man she planned to marry after knowing him for only 10 days. The family suspected some sort of con. Zora contacted him, pretending she was looking for a girlfriend who used to work with him in the travel industry. She took a photo of a classmate with her to begin the scam. I sort of played the distressed American student going to the Spanish school, and he invited me on a couple of dates and asked me to uh, come back for the bullfight. What did you wear when you went to Minnesota? Oh, I wore like a little itty-bitty skirt and a, and a, a little tank top. I made it seem like I had plenty of money and that interested him, that, you know, he kind of perked up at that. He never mentioned the whole time that I ever spent any time with him, he never mentioned that there was ever a woman. Um, and he, I found him to be pretty emotionally open and very romantic guy, but I honestly felt that he probably was not in love with her that he was taking this as an opportunity to live in the United States. And that was the report I gave. Before Zora set out for Mexico, I rode with her to the airport. We were late and hurrying through the terminal, just 10 minutes to spare, when she did the strangest thing. She sat down in a chair, far from the gate, and wouldn't move. I told her she was going to miss her flight, but she didn't budge. I sat down next to her. She said she was scared. About the case? About which disguise she might wear? About being found out? No, she said. She said she was afraid that when she got to Mexico, people wouldn't like her. The next time I was at her house, I hadn't noticed before, but I realized her bookshelf was packed with advice on how to build confidence. Titles like Princesa, Machiavelli for Women. Books like that aren't really so far from the idea of keeping a list, having an ongoing plan for self-improvement, believing that if you just put something on paper and stick to it, you can change. Zora still has her list, but while the old list was all about being perfect and saving the world, the new list is very different. I need to learn how to play tennis and golf, and <laughs> my new list is windsurfing, <laughs> tennis, golf, um... I need to develop some kind of talent, like um, like I need to learn how to sing properly, or to do some kind of comedy or sketches, acting, acting, I need to learn how to act. Oh, I need to learn how to sing like Billie Holiday. She doesn't take the list so seriously these days. There are no deadlines. She puts things on the list and later decides not to do them. 
It's not a grand mission anymore. Now, it's just a list. Kelly McEvers. Goldfinger. He's a man, a man with the Midas touch. A spider's touch. Such a cold finger beckons you to enter his web of sin. But don't go in. Golden words he will pour in your ear. But his lies can't disguise what you fear. Billy Holiday imitator oh, David Sedaris. No. Coming up. Exactly what Superman knows that Jigsaw Man doesn't. In a minute, from Public Radio International, when our program continues. This podcast of This American Life is brought to you by Ford, makers of the new 2011 Ford Fiesta with an EPA-estimated 40 miles per gallon highway. No other compact car is more fuel efficient. The Fiesta also has a Duratec engine, front strut, sway bar, and rear suspension, which come together to deliver a ride that Consumer Reports describes this way, quote, the Fiesta drives nicely with agile handling and a controlled ride. Ford invites you to drive one at a dealer near you. It's This American Life, I'm Ira Glass. Each week on our program, of course, we choose a theme, bring you a variety of different kinds of stories on that theme. Today's program, Superpowers and How Easy It Is to Get Caught Up in the Dream of Superpowers. We've arrived at Act 3, Act 3, the green team of superhero boy millionaires, the amazing super monkey from planet Krypton, and the man from SRAM. My friends, they come in waves. hundred a year or more, whole armies of them. I'm talking about new superheroes created by the comic book companies. It is rare for any of them to last more than a few issues. The website Gone and Forgotten is, as far as we can tell, the authoritative archive of these failed super souls. The guy who runs the site, under the title Your Humble Editor, is Jonathan Morris. He says that the few great superheroes have some common-sense things going for them. One, they have powers that make intuitive sense. Two, they have a reason for fighting crime. Three, the stories have a human touch to them. You can relate to them. He agreed to come into the studio with a stack of some of the comics that do not quite measure up to those super standards. Uh, I'm trying to find a very good one. I've brought a ton of comics with me. Uh, let's see. We've got... Um Captain Marvel, who's one of the characters featured on the website, his amazing power is that he can split, by which we mean his limbs fall off and then flail around, um, hopefully, I imagine, beating up the criminal. I'm not kidding. Uh, he says split, his arms, legs, and head fall off, and he screams, yow, I popped apart. And with the word zam, he returns to, uh, returns to normal. That's a, and he's I flying into action. I don't even know why that is one of the most disturbing things I've ever heard. This, this company has a, had a, a number of characters who shared their names with pre-existing characters. They had a plastic man uh, who appeared in this very issue, in fact, but he was nothing like uh, the, the famous plastic man. <laughs> Which was always an embarrassment to him. He'd be ordering, you know, he'd be ordering online or he'd... He gets his mail all the time. <laughs> exactly. You know, he'd make a reservation at a restaurant and then he'd show up and they're like, oh, we thought you were the other plastic. 